0: Welcome to Our Tribe, the podcast that sits down with Jewish professionals and entrepreneurs to hear their stories, share their advice, and bear their Jewish souls. Now here's your host, Rabbi Tuvia Kopstein. Welcome back to Our Tribe, the podcast. I am your host, Tuvia Kopstein, and this episode is going to be our first ever episode where we are broadcasting to the European continent, where we get to speak with Naomi Abigail Garfinkel, who is a content creator for Meaningful Minute and who has been for the past 10 years or so, or maybe even longer, in the world of social media content creation, and she has an amazing story of trials and tribulations and revelations of God's hand in her life, and you are going to love her story, and you are going to love her content too, which you'll find out about is on Meaningful Minute nowadays, and she's done a lot of great stuff. Uh, she's a load of fun. And in this episode, we really got, we got real. We got emotional. Um, she got emotional. Hopefully I didn't get too emotional, but it's hard. You know, you rubs off. Um, <laughs> and that is what we have for you today. So stay tuned. And I must mention the podcast fellowship is what's behind our tribe. The podcast, you don't know about the podcast fellowship yet. Check it out, podcastfellowship.org. It's an international young adult Jewish outreach nonprofit. We're helping Jewish young adults connect to their Jewish heritage, to the Torah. They listen to classes on podcasts. They prepare the classes. They teach them to their mentor. They discuss them. They argue about them, and they earn a stipend each week. They do this. It's amazing. It's great, and it's growing very rapidly, podcastfellowship.org. And now we bring you Our Tribe, the podcast with Naomi Garfinkel. You're going to like this one. Okay, we have a special treat today. We are so thrilled to be here with you. Naomi, how are you?
1: I'm very good, for Hashem, as we say.
0: <laughs> okay, wonderful. I'm Me too. So Naomi, before we get started, we, we hear your whole story, and I'm sure it's a great story. And in fact, I have many reasons to believe it's a great story. But um, mm-hmm. can you tell us, what, what are you doing nowadays in your professional life?
1: Yeah. So I just want to say in my professional life, I also edit podcasts. So I know the first few seconds is so important for people to, to know if this is a worthwhile podcast. So before I tell everybody what I'm doing, I just want you to know, I'm going to get raw. I'm going to get real. I'm going to give you hopefully so much value. So stick around. Don't go yet. And let the sham, I'll be able to give you a lot of value. So now that you hopefully have I've convinced you to stick around So my name is Naomi. I work for Meaningful Minute, which is a company based in New York that produces and shares inspirational Jewish content. I've started there in January of this year. Mm -hmm. So it's very exciting. And for my work, I'm yeah, i called a content creator and I create clips. I I go on Instagram. I show my face. I make videos. I edit some of the podcasts. So it's very exciting and I really love it. So that's a little bit of what I do.
0: Okay, and thank you for that promo. That, that's, uh, we'll keep, I'm definitely here. I'm, I'm your audience for sure. At least you have an audience of one. (laughs) Okay. So now we, this is going to be, this is exciting. And I, 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 as I said in the intro, this is our first clip with somebody actually in Europe. Of course, we've interviewed people from Europe before. We had, I think our second podcast was with Tanya Freelander. I don't know if you know, if you know her, but she's from Vienna. But she's in America. So this is the first time we're actually communicating directly with someone in Europe. We had one in Israel, maybe more than one. Um, but it's very exciting. And I'm so glad that the connection is working. Okay. So, so you're in Amsterdam. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, that's okay, correct. That's, I live in exotic. Amsterdam. Uh, I was born in Amsterdam and I lived in America for a few years, which is why I have the accent. Okay. Uh, my mom is Dutch and my, my father is British American. So.
0: Okay. Very interesting. Okay. So let's, let's hear the story. Like what, you're in Amsterdam. Like, how'd you get, I mean, your parent, you came from your parents, but, but let's hear that. Let's hear the whole story and yeah. and, and, and I'm, I'm ready for it. We're ready for it.
1: All right. <laughs> so it's, it's truly is a very journey for me to, to be where I am today. And the reason why it's such a journey is because um, I'm now 30 years old um, and I started making videos, you know, right around, I was 18 years old or even before I was, you know, I got a camera and I was making videos. I went to the University of Amsterdam and I studied their communication science and I was living a very non-religious life. I grew up uh with the modern Orthodox, but once I got to university, I just, you know, I, as they say, OTD, or for those people that don't understand that, it means off the derech. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I like to say like, it's just a different derech, Okay. Okay. Everybody has their own path to in, in life. So that's kind of just to give a bit of a framework of where I was. And, and now I'll tell you where I hopefully can, we, know, get, can we can more. we get into that a little bit? And if it's not, yeah, if it's not too. It. Okay. I love it.
0: OK, OK. So what what would be what was the motivating that decision? Like what our a lot of our artists doesn't know what it means to grow up modern Orthodox doesn't mean why a person would leave that and go off that path and, and, and choose something else. Like, what was going on with, with you that, uh, that you could share with us?
1: All right. So just for reference, uh, Netherlands has a small Jewish community of about 5,000 Jewish people. Um, before the Second World War, there were about a hundred thousand Jewish people mm-hmm. and about 80% of them, 90% were, were murdered in the war. Um, which is, you know, my grandparents, my Dutch grandparents are both Holocaust survivors. They were hidden during the war at a young age. So we Hashem that, you know, my family was able to survive, which is a beautiful and uh, a story in itself, really. How that was possible. Um, today is also the while we're recording. It's the fourth of May, which is the Dutch Remembrance Day, which is a day when we remember the the Second World War in the Netherlands. So, mm-hmm. um, very, you know, if if their neshama can have an aliyah, all my great, you know, my family that was murdered in the war, that would be great. But the, you know, Baruch Hashem, my grandparents both survived. And uh, from my grandfather's side, his parents and his brother also survived, which was a, mm-hmm. it's a, yeah.
0: Hidden in somebody's house. Plays a
1: big, yeah, it actually plays a big part in in my Jewish identity mm-hmm. because it also, just for reference, to, last week I got to post a video of a Holocaust survivor. He His name is Mr. Yisrael Abelesh. And I got to interview him and posted a video on Meaningful Minute. And that video has, 1.1 million views on our Instagram which is very exciting and it makes my my work very meaningful to be able to share the stories of of the generation that you know went through so much and has so much to share and that's really the core of what I also want to do is to use all the tools of social media and use the tools that we have to our disposal and to inspire the next Jewish generation to help people connect to to Hashem and to help connect to their Jewish heritage through whatever that means may be. And, and that's really the, the beauty of it.
0: Wow. Okay. So are there many families from the Netherlands that, were, that survived the war by being hidden out in people's houses?
1: Um, yeah, so I think that was the main, the main way that they were able to survive if they were hidden. And a little side note, my great grandfather, he was actually a mayor of a town during the war. It's Mm. kind of a crazy story. So what happened, his name is Abraham Rose, his actually was his yard site last week. Um, what happened is that he was hidden during the war and he needed like, he had fake papers. So he needed to like do something every day. So every day he went out and he like pretended to like just go place, but he would just cycle around just to like not be in the, in the house. Cause he wasn't like hidden, hidden. He was like, just had fake papers and he was like pretending to be a non-Jewish person. Oh. So he had to like have a, a day way to spend his day. And as he was kind of just known in this t- small town, the mayor of the town or was you know, either arrested or, died and they suggested to him, well, why don't you become the mayor? And so he became the mayor and he actually spoke really good German and he also was a really good drinker. He knew how to drink a lot of alcohol without getting drunk. Mm-hmm. So what he would do is he, did he would... wait, did he
0: pass those skills on to your generation? <laughs>
1: um I I don't I wouldn't know. My journey okay. is not that great and I, no, I, I mean I, I mean the drinking slow but... my alcohol ability. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay,
1: fine. <laughs> I'm okay. Joking. Continue please. So, yeah. So what happened is that he would get the German officers to come and, uh, drink a lot of alcohol. And then once they were very drunk, he would sign the, he would show them the pieces of paper that had to be signed for the resistance for extra food or permission to, you know, wherever. And they would just sign it blindly without looking. And that way he was able to do a lot of good things. Wow. But a little funny anecdote is that his wife, my great grandmother, she She was also hidden, but as a mayor of the town, he needed like a maid. So he sent out through the resistance saying, um, that she should apply to be a maid at his, at the, at the mayor's office. So she comes and they haven't seen each other in like a year, but they have to pretend that they don't know each other. Okay. So imagine that scenario. And then the German officer says to him, wow, you guys seem to get really, to get along you guys maybe you should you should date her and he suggests you should marry her and he's like okay cool i'll marry her (laughs) and so he actually remarries his own wife in the middle of the war on the suggestion of the germans which is you know it's, it's it's really a crazy story
0: wow so that was like a civil a civil ceremony
1: Yeah, Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, halakhically, they were already married. Right. And then (laughs) after the war, because he was a mayor, he had permission to move around the country, which wasn't necessarily allowed. Um, because half the, you know, half the country was, you know, was bombed and everything. And he had access to a car, which was also very rare at the time. Um, because the Germans had taken a lot of the things. So. After he and his wife, they went to all the schools in the country looking for their own two sons, my grandfather. They were looking yeah. for my grandfather and his brother, my uncle, my great uncle. Um, and they would just go to all the schools and and make a list of the Jewish children and try to find their parents. And once they finally found my grandfather, he was hidden in a different part of the country. Um, and they, they speak a bit different dialect. And he was four years old when he was hidden. And when the finally found, he was like seven years old and he didn't. He didn't, first of all, he didn't recognize his own parents, but he didn't actually know how to communicate because he spoke with such a different accent that you couldn't mm. understand each other. So I just want to say a shout out, shout out to, uh, to the family that hit him. And they, the there was a girl there, 19 years old, and she really took my grandfather under her wing. She took care of him like a, like a nanny in a way. And, um, she then went to live with my, great-grandparents so that she could be like a translator until he would understand the the different languages you know it's
0: it was a completely different language i can't imagine it within one country it's
1: it's a little bit different i know (laughs) that dutch is
0: dutch seems to be a very difficult language to to uh to learn and understand and even when you said the word netherlands it was like uh, it was a a a new a new way to of hearing it for me like you say that again netherlands
1: the netherlands yeah that's something
0: like this that 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 th i like it Um, Very amazing. Okay, so this is you're saying that now what you're doing now is you're you're doing creating inspirational content, and it yeah. seems to be inspired by this this deep Jewish identity that you have and this this resilience of your of your grandparents, your great grandparents. But at some well, point, I, I, like, can we get into at some point you go to college and it's not it's not meaningful enough to you to to continue, and then something happens on the way. So let's can you tell us that yeah. story and, and help us understand?
1: Absolutely. Let so, me adjust
0: my lighting a little bit here. Okay there we go okay yeah okay go ahead so
1: I want to tell you how so all right so as we were progressing from being in university I was in it it's not like okay it's not like in America maybe you have different students in that are also Jewish like I was like basically one of the only ones in my university like Not the not the only one in the university, but there were very few religious people. Most of the people that are religious, they move away at at age eighteen. They go to seminary yeshiva, and also my specific course, there weren't very like there was maybe like one other Jewish girl. Um, So you're really surrounded by completely non-Jewish people. As a matter of fact, I actually made friends with a Muslim muslim guy because he was helping with the homework but he was helping a lot of people whatever and then i said he was jewish and sorry i said i was jewish and the muslim guy said oh my mom told me that we should hate jewish people and i was like so shocked by that um Is that the end of the relationship really or were cool.
0: you guys were still friends
1: i know no i never kept in touch it was just like oh. he was just like organizing like to help people with their homework so oh. it was really more for that benefit than real friend oh, but yeah. um so I was studying and whatever, and uh, while I was I was doing that, it just you know, you just if you're surrounded by completely non-religious people, it's very easy to to want to, especially at such a vulnerable age, it's very easy to want to just like live that lifestyle, and you're exposed to so much, and you just want to like if you don't if you're not like in a bubble, I think then it's very easy to go along with the mainstream of whatever you're. Your environment is in. So I also want to reflect that to anybody who's listening. If you're making a decision, whether that be for your child or for yourself, should you be in such a specific situation, you either need to have a very strong identity and to be able to really know what is good for you and to do that, or to, um, or not surround yourself in a situation where you could be maybe tempted to, to live a non-religious lifestyle. If that's not something that you want to do, so, (laughs) so (laughs) Naomi tip. Basically, into- your, your
0: advice is to surround yourself with the type of people, the uh, type of community that you'd like to be a part of. Uh, yeah, uh, it's going to happen anyway. It's Whatever community you're surrounding yourself with, you're, gonna, you're going to naturally be a part of that community.
1: Yeah, but if you make it very practical, right? So let's say you're in, living in America and you decided to go to college at a college that has very few Jewish people, mm-hmm. that might be more difficult for you then to, you know, keep your heritage where versus if you go to a university that has much more of a active Jewish community it might be a lot easier so if you're making that decision for yourself or for a a child or for whatever then it it could be a lot you know something to keep in mind that 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 is what can happen Mm -hmm. um and then I want to get into it because then I was about 22 23 and I started seeing um you know a Jewish Jewish guy and um and then we, and, you know, by choice, we had a baby, but I wasn't married, which is, you know, very unconventional in the religious community. So that really shows, like, I wasn't, you know, was really not keeping any of the Jewish, uh, you know, wasn't living that lifestyle. Let's put it like that. Okay. So, Bor I have a beautiful daughter. She's almost four years old. Her name is Natalie, which she's very, uh, she's very cute. So yeah, I'm also a mother. And she's more well famous with saying that I'm a mother. <laughs> um, so that's very nice. But I think that also played a big part in my journey today, where I find it so important to focus on something with meaning. Um Obviously, you know, that relation didn't work out, didn't work out. So um then I became like a single mother in a way, co-parenting. Um He is still very involved, but that was a very difficult thing to go through Um you know, being quite young. I think I was 26 when I gave birth. So, you know, at the time, you know, whatever it was, um, yeah, it was very hard to, to go through that. And I still wasn't like living religiously at that time. Mm-hmm. And basically about a, I want to say about a year and a half ago, I was really ready to find a new relationship, like to, to find my, my true spouse, my bashert, as we say in, in uh, in Judaism, to find my zivok from all the Jewish words as much as we can. Um, <laughs> the educate them.
0: Sure, sure. So sure.
1: zivug and bashert and all mm-hmm. those words are used for to yeah describe the Jewish version of a soulmate, your your life's partner. So about six months ago, I was no sorry, again about a year and a half ago, I was ready to meet, and get ready, you know, to get married and and all that stuff, and I I reconnected with the community and I, you know, I went to school very regularly, but still I wasn't really a hundred percent, you know, committed yet. Let's put it like that. So while I was on that journey, um, I realized it's very difficult to find, it's very difficult to find a life's partner in a very small community because there's very few people to choose from here. Um, You know, I would say, I don't know. 10, 20 people that are single my age, you know, uh-huh. men. And so and, you're really talking about, right? Yeah, or like Amsterdam, like oh, whatever, the Jewish community is mostly based in Amsterdam. And I'm talking about people that are also religious, right? Not mm-hmm. just people that are Jewish. They have to also then, you know, be religious and have to match you as a person. So really they statistically, the chances were much smaller and they weren't looking that great for me, which was, you know, a, a hard realization because mm-hmm. it's something that I do want and I find important. So then,
0: I mean, it's it's something that it is to be observant to to keep the, the Torah. Is that what you mean? Or yeah, you want to, find, to, to find, spouse? find
1: somebody who's Torah observant and okay. keeps and keeps kosher and has the same values as you. And I know that I kind of left that, but that is my true, authentic self. So mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to that, and I was it was important for me to find somebody who who wanted that as well. So, so, so
0: at some point, a year and a, a year and a half ago, you is that's when you decided you you need a spouse and. And when did you decide that, that it should be this, this commitment that you're, that you're recommitting to the the religious upbringing or, or a new, a new understanding? Is that, did it come, it comes from first, I want to be married and now I have to re-examine my priorities or what, what was, what was moving, what was motivating you?
1: I would say the motivation was really like that. I wanted to find a person, um, I'm sorry, I should say men, because I'm not, You know, I'm looking for a man, not just a person. (laughs) Um, I wanted to find a man who had the same values of, you know, having good meat of having good, you know, character traits, yeah, good good person and living with a a fear of God, really. I think that's very important. So before, so,
0: so that before a year and And a half ago, okay, so that just to to understand better for me, uh, before a year and a half ago, you had already made that decision that you wanted to become more observant? Oh, you would already yeah, become more observant. Yeah. I was
1: becoming like I was going to the to the synagogue. I wanted that sense of community, especially for my daughter. She was about you know two and a half at the time, mm-hmm. and I wanted that for my daughter. So, um, I I did go and connect with the community but i wasn't very observant when it came to kashurosh or shabbos and just kind of like you know a little bit more lenient and then in the really what made a big change in my life is really through hashgacha pratis i really could see the hand of hashem through it all is that about trying to put but it, it's like such a story so okay you know it was dating it wasn't I was dating, you know, people and then it wasn't working out because I couldn't move countries because I have shared custody with my daughter and I right. um I need, I would need permission from her dad and her dad didn't want to give permission so it was like a stumbling block every time I would meet somebody I'd be mm-hmm. like okay you're cute but like okay you know he, the person didn't want to live in Holland which which I understand it's it is difficult to maybe move here if yeah. you're not you know familiar with the language or the community and cetera like that. So that really was like every time kind of a heartbreak again like okay and kind of getting hopeless in a way like, okay, I'm never going to be able to find anybody unless Hashem has to change my situation because it's not in my hands. It's it's not in my hands. I know that it's Hashem who can change the situation and not me. And that kind of realization, like you're not in control of your life. It's not you. It's someone else. Well, this specific person, like it was a specific person who had more of control, but really it's Hashem that decides where you are at in that moment and what Hashem thinks is good for you so all the kind of heartbreak and every time the heartbreak is kind of what led me to like look inwards and say Hashem I need you I need you to help me (laughs) and um then what specifically happened was about oh I want to say like about nine months ago um I went to what really it really happened like 10 years ago because Hashem always has I really believe Hashem has messengers for you in your life so what happened is about 10 years ago, I was living in Hanoi, Vietnam. Hmm. Okay. To go even back, when I was studying, I had a friend from before and she said, do you want to go to China for a summer camp? And I was like, yeah, sure. I want to go to China for a summer camp. And that's not a Jewish summer camp. And as we landed in Beijing. Or Wait, what I kind, of, what there,
0: kind of summer camp was it? What, what, what... It was just
1: for Chinese children to learn English, but it wasn't Jewish at all. Okay. Alright. So yeah. as I after I landed and we were picked up, it was just me and I didn't know anybody. And they were picking up two other people and we're in the in the car and they're like, So what like anything you don't eat? And I was like, Yeah, I don't eat any pork. And the other person next to me is like, Yeah, I don't eat any pork. And the other person next to me is like, I don't eat any pork. And we're all looking at each other like this is very strange. It's like kind of figure out that one of them is Jewish and one of them had a Jewish father and was very interested in Jew Ju- in Judaism. And mm-hmm. that girl actually if she's listening she knows who she is I don't want to say her name <laughs> I don't know not for me okay how are you, how you doing <laughs> she she actually you know went through the um, conversion process and lives in okay. Israel and uh, that was very cool anyway so I met her there and then afterwards I was in Australia for a wedding and she was like went to Hanoi Vietnam to like mm-hmm. teach English there and she was just like oh do you want to come to Hanoi Vietnam and I was like yes I want to come to Hanoi Vietnam so I ended up renting an apartment and living there for a few months and like making videos and just kind of like living my best life in Hanoi, Vietnam, which is kind of like a random place to live for a few months. Um, but there one Shabbos, there was, a. I went to the Chabad, I went quite every week, I don't think to the Chabad one Shabbos, there was somebody there from England. Um, you, never, you know, you're there in a place, you're talking to each other, and and that's it. And I think afterwards, we connected on Facebook. And I think maybe a few years later, he sent me a message just saying, I don't know, I shared something very, you know, whatever. And he said, oh, I hope you're doing okay. And that was really it. And I didn't speak to him ever again. It was really a very, very weak connection. And then about a year, you no, last year, January, mm-hmm. um, I became active on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. which is, by the way, where I know <laughs> Toby from. Very nice, yeah. So I got a friendship connection from, uh, a guy and I say, like, he had like Chinese in his name. So I said to him, wait, you look very familiar. Do I know you from like China? And he's like, he's like, no, we met in Hanoi, Vietnam. Actually, I went, like, I went back later on and I actually found some pictures of my, you know, <laughs> old pictures of 10 years ago. It was actually one of the pictures. Okay. Anyway, at that time I said that was I from really like five
0: phones ago, right?
1: Yeah, 10 years ago, (laughs) literally, like some, you know, whatever, old phone. And um, a very, very weak connection. But I said to him, like, I really want to come for Shabbos to London, but I don't know anybody to ask for Shabbos meal. Could you maybe help me out? And he's like, sure, I'll help you out. And really, he didn't know me, so it was very nice of him. And I went there for a Shabbos, and it was like a really nice experience. I was like, wow, it's so good. And then I got a job. <laughs> I got a job for an advertising agency, quite a, a large one. Um,
0: that's VaynerMedia. And
1: it's called VaynerMedia. Yeah, that's famous. Is, yeah, it's it's well known as Gary V runs yeah. the company, right. um, and that was very exciting. And I really feel like Hashem. I tell you why. So what happened is that we were going to have like a summer party on a Tuesday. And I said, wow, last time it was so nice to have a Shabbos. And I messaged the same guy and I said, well, if I come for Shabbos, can you help me organize meals again? And he said, yeah, yeah, sure. Just come, like whatever. So I booked to come. And
0: now, can and I just I write, tell, give us context uh, from Amsterdam to London is uh, how far does it take? How long does it take to travel? Like 45
1: there? minutes flight. It's, you know, okay. $50 if you book it in advance for a, say, for a one-way ticket. Okay. So not, not, not too bad. Hard. Yeah. yeah, it's really not far. It's, um, so, so I messaged him saying, can I please come? Like, can you please help me organize for Shabbos meals again? He said, yeah, sure. Anyway, it's like Friday afternoon and I messaged him like, so like, what's the Shabbos plans? And he says to me, I'm so sorry. It never happened to me in my life, but, um, it never happened to me in my life, but actually I, I didn't organize anything for you. So I said, no worries. I'll go to the, Chabad, whatever. And then my father, very last minute, like momish, five minutes before Shabbos started, he said to me, "Oh, I just remembered. There, I have a friend in London who is your age, because my dad had lived there, and he, you know, uh-huh. in the Chabad there. Chabad is like always oh, like the connecting dot here. So thank you to the Lubavitcher Rabban. Hey, um, yeah, we love Shout you guys. We love you. Um, so my my father had said to my father had sat next to this guy in shul for like a year or two when he was living there. Mm-hmm. So he reached out to him saying, my daughter's in in London for Shabbos. Can she maybe eat by your house with your family? And he said, sure, come on over. So I come on over and, you know, I was knocking on the door and I'm like, hey, I don't know you, but like nice to meet you. And um, I, don't know, I had like a really good time and I, I really connected and uh, I kind of started seeing him which it was kind of interesting because this friend my of your rab- father,
0: Wait, the friend of your father's, the yeah, of your- my
1: friend and my father, he's my age, but he's okay. not, like, not like a friend friend. He was more like somebody he knew from shul, like more of like, yeah. you know, whatever. much
0: younger than your father.
1: Yeah. But they <laughs> okay. like sat next to other in shul. So whatever yeah. you call a friend, but yeah. that guy was actually in Amsterdam before. And then my father said to like the rabbi there, like, Oh, he's such a nice guy. We should find him a Shidduch. And the rabbi who knows me says, what about Naomi, your daughter? And, at the time, it just didn't really, like, nothing happened, nothing clicked. But when we actually met each other in real life, there was a real connection. Um, so we, we ended up, I ended up dating him and it was very, it was a very positive experience. And, you know, um, I, I have very much appreciation for him and his family because they were very welcoming and, and kind to me. Uh, and through that journey, his mother had said to me that she went to pray for him at Reb Shailes, And I had never heard of Reb Shiloh because Reb Shiloh is not known in the Netherlands. (laughs) It's a very like Hasidic, you know, from Stanford Hill and his mom was from Stanford Hill. So it was like, not something I knew anything about.
0: And a lot of our listeners won't know anything about it either. So I hope you'll you'll explain. It's a perfect
1: opportunity to tell you about Reb Shiloh because Reb Shiloh has made a huge impact on my life. So Reb Shiloh is a, you know, Hasidic rabbi from about a hundred years ago. Um, in a place called Karastir in Hungary, which is about two and a half hours drive from Budapest, which is the capital of Hungary. Mm-hmm. So he's known in for a lot of people as the picture that you put up if you have mice in your house, which is... <laughs> Which is one of the things he helped people with a lot of hachnasas orachim. So he he always gave people to eat and to give them a place to stay. And it was said that his food was like a miracle kind of food, and he was able to really perform miracles. There's also a whole book about him. If you're interested in reading it, it's I can highly recommend it. It's very special. And he wasn't very known up until, like, his his popu- his popularity as a place to go has mm-hmm. only recently been really um happening and now his yard site the the day of it when he died the yard site was i don't know two weeks ago and there were about fifty thousand people so it has become like a real, people went
0: to Kereshtere in hungary to to, to pray for the, right to pray in his merit
1: okay. in his Got merit yeah. so what happened was that after things ended i was kind of in in london again and i I call up, again, this, this you know, acquaintance that I met in Hanoi, Vietnam, and I said to him, look, I'm in London again, but he organized some Shabbos meals, and he said, no problem, and he did. But then he said to me, like, you know, I really think that you should just go to the Chabad instead of, like, the meal that I organized for you. I just have this feeling you should go to the Chabad. So I said, you know, if you say so, I'm just going to follow whatever you say. You would know better than me if I should go to this meal or not. So I go to the Chabad, and I just, like, just... Whatever, there was somebody like my age and it said, wherever you're going next, can I just like come with? Like I just don't have very much to do. And the person was like, yeah, sure, come on, come on with. So we ended up at this person's house who just hosts for like Trillant. And while I'm in his house, I see a book of Rep Shiloh, and I was very interested because I'd heard about Rep Shiloh, you know, but I didn't, I never really read anything about it. And then I said, can I borrow the book? And he's like, sure, you can borrow the book. But actually, I was supposed to fly back the next day. So I couldn't really borrow the book because, what, you know, I'm not going to borrow a book and you don't have get any time to read it. Right. <laughs> right. So the next day I was supposed to fly back and I needed to get up, like, quite early, like 6 a.m. And, like, I was just laying there. I was like, I can't get up. Like, physically, my body was just saying, don't get up, don't get up, don't get up. And I just decided not to take the flight um, before I think, oh, my gosh, like, it's not that expensive, the flight. So it's <laughs> not,
0: like $50, yeah whatever (laughs)
1: something like that it was worth $50
0: to stay to to sleep some more yeah I understand that I think everyone can understand that
1: yeah I think it was very (laughs) led by my intuition and then later on that day I was just like I really need to read this book I had like this strong sense I need to read this book and I didn't know this person's like I didn't have his name or his phone number I just remembered where the house was so I just decided to like walk over and try to you know and i walk over and the the, the windows are open and just standing there by the window and i'm just like sc- screaming his name like i don't want to say his name but i don't know if he will give me permission okay. um but i'm just like hello and let's like, say yeah, let's say up?
0: his name is rip <laughs> it's yeah. not it's not okay <laughs>
1: it's not no. but um and uh I, he's, I said, can I borrow the book? He's like, yeah, sure, come on up. So I just to up get clear, and, I just,
0: I just, I, I lost the thread. This is the same man from, that you knew in Hanoi?
1: No. No, no okay, I lost from the. Chabad. So the, the men right. that I knew because from Hanoi the... had said to me, go to the Chabad, because right. the Chabad, I met Got someone it. else who said, let's go to this person's house. Okay. So really, there's like Got a million <laughs> messengers in my life of all people that I never really knew that all led me on this path. Why? Okay. So then I went to his house and I said, I can borrow the book. And he said, right. sure. Right. And I'm actually going to Rep Shilis tomorrow. And I was like, wait, hold on. It was this. There was like Sunday and Tuesday was Yom Kippur. So okay. he's going to go on Monday for Yom Kippur there. So I said to him, "Wait, can I come as well?" Uh-huh. And he's like, "I don't see why not." And just like I just got my heart so broken, I was like so devastated, and I just like finally like I want to I want to go as well. So within half an hour, I had booked tickets, I booked everything, a place to stay and all the meals, and I ended up going to Karistir through um, on Yom Kippur with the program was kind of like an organized thing and there were like 150 like Hasidic from not so from guys because it became like kind of a thing where it's kind of like a Kira thing as well, a little bit, but it's a very special environment because on Yom Kippur, it's such a holy day, but then you're also surrounded with people who have made the trek to specifically daven there at the grave of Reb Shiloh. So everybody's a very like heightened emotional state and there's also like the whole Hasidic kind of energy of you know the um, so it was a very intense experience and just for reference there was like 10 other women and six of them were (laughs) the wife and daughter of the uh the wives and daughters of the uh of the chazen. so there really was no other there were no there was no other nobody like me who was single and and there by myself like just a few couples but really it was very few people but i was just there and i was like crying my out, and i was reading the book of Shila, and in the book of Shila, it said anybody who came to him that wanted like help was he said if you keep shabbos if you keep kosher then i'm going to help you so mm-hmm. why did i why was i so pulled towards this i just said like in the zahul of rabshayla i'm going to keep shabbos going to keep kosher like a hundred percent and and hopefully he'll help me to I, I should be able to find my my bashert and everything should be able to to be possible because it was you know it's a very difficult situation when you have a small child and you're living in a community with almost no opportunity to date you really need you need a lot of help from Hashem and I just decided that moment that was last Yom Kippur like I'm just going to change my whole life
0: well this was this was <laughs> so we're talking about a year and a half ago, or we're talking about half a No, year this ago? was
1: six months ago.
0: Okay. So at this point, you're at the, at the grave of Shiloh with a whole group of, of Hasidic people and just a few women. Yeah. And you're, if you're by yourself with, with God, with Hashem, and that's 100%. when you make the commitment. You're saying, I'm going to commit fully. And before that, you weren't fully committed.
1: And I was not committed. Now no, you're I fully commit. committed. Okay. God, yeah, this is exciting. And really, yeah. And so everything that happened, like even that job of VaynerMedia, Media after that ended, the, Literally, the day, literally the day that I met that guy that I started dating, like that's when the kind of job kind of ended in a way. And it was almost like it was like Hashem was like, okay, I just needed you to get you that job so that you could end up in London so that you can meet this person because if that person you would go to Repshile, you would make the commitment to become religious. So I really have a lot of you know gratitude for for all the people on the way that helped me to to be on this path um, of of my journey Mm -hmm. and. And at that time, I wasn't also working. I was, you know, I'd, you know I was, I'd had some savings and I was just kind of trying to figure out, I wouldn't say like a midlife crisis, but I was definitely trying to figure out like what's next in my life. And I started to make a lot of art. I was painting and I was making like mezuzah cases and everything that I was doing really felt like divinely guided. But I just kept saying, I want to do something meaningful. I want to do something meaningful with my life because I want to serve Hashem. That was just like the thing that I kept saying because I was like, I need Hashem to help me to get out of the situation and I want to serve Hashem and I need him to help me and I want to serve Hashem and I'm looking for something meaningful to do with my life. Um That was like really a big pillar of what I wanted to do. And I was like, I was I was working in social media before. Like that was all that I knew how to do. And it's like, I kept saying to like my family, like, I don't know how I can work in social media and do something meaningful. Like social media in generally is quite, you know, superficial. Like what you're posting pictures of clothes or whatever it is that you're selling, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be very meaningful experience. So I didn't know. I was like, maybe I should become a teacher. Should I become a whatever, a LinkedIn expert? I didn't know. I really didn't know. Um, and then as I was kind of, you know, recovering from, from like my personal experiences, which were difficult for me to, to, you know, go through the, I got a message one day of Nahi Gordon, who is the founder and CEO of Meaningful Minute.
0: Hey, Nahi. And,
1: uh Hey Nahi, shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> he'll probably listen to it. If I tell him that I mentioned his name. we will mention and this timestamp
0: um, over here. to will make a note of it. Okay, Nachi. I okay, got yeah. it.
1: All right. So Nachi sent me a message and I'm like, Nachi, I love your podcast. I still have like the voice recording because it was like on LinkedIn. I was like, just like so excited to send him a voice note. Um And I sent him a, was, like, he's like, great. I'm so happy that you like the podcast because we're looking for somebody to do our social media. No. So I was like, this is like so strange because... Like, there's like one, like, there's like, like, only like me in Holland who does social media, and there's like a million people in America, and like, how did you end up with me? Like, it didn't make any sense to me. Like, how, wait, how does Nahi Gordon asking me? Like, how is it, I didn't know him, I didn't have any mutual friends, like, it was just very strange. And I thought maybe you see me on LinkedIn or whatever. And later I find out the woman who works also at Meaningful Minute, who, um, I work with together, her name is Devora Leia, shout out. I asked her later on, like, Dora Lea, like, how did you know about me? She said, one year before, so right now, I got the job in January, so a year before that, so this mm-hmm. is, like, January 2022, Right. okay, she had seen a TikTok of mine, which is strange because I really had, like, a few hundred views on TikTok, okay, okay. like, it really wasn't like I had very many views, Um. but she said, she'd seen me on TikTok for some reason, and she saw my face She said, wow, this girl looks so Jewish. Like it was just like, wow, this girl looks so Jewish. And she was just kind of intrigued about it. And she was working somewhere else at the time she was working for like Jamie Geller, okay. but she like, just felt that it was like a very interesting thing. There's just like very obviously looking Jewish girl. And she works in social media, but it wasn't religious at the time. This was before everything had happened that I'd, Went to London and I met the guy and went to Karasdir and I became religious, right? There's of that.
0: But, but just in, in terms of what I remember, you were already starting to post on LinkedIn and like being very Jewish identity. Yeah, that was you're, visiting, January. you're visiting, you're visiting Schulz in, in Netherlands and, and wherever you went. Yeah. Right. And I was.
1: Yeah, I was like, I was busy with my religion, but it wasn't like a committed thing. It wasn't something that was so important to me. I was still like, you know, taking on a job at just a big advertising agency. It wasn't something that was like so important in my life that I wanted to just do like Jewish stuff. Mm -hmm. It was only after all that experience. So a year before I got the job, she had seen me and she had remembered me. And then
0: what was that TikTok? What was that TikTok post about? Sorry to interrupt.
1: I really don't know. It's just like, I was just making some random TikTok because you okay. know it was for my work kind of thing I was just like oh if I'm working on social media I should be making some TikToks so I was just kind of like
0: okay
1: winging it I was just so I really wasn't very active on it and I really yeah. if you go back you see I have a few hundred views it wasn't like yeah. I had so many views it wasn't like I went viral or anything like that like it was really very very that's, that's undiscovered it. Got it. but she saw it which is all yeah. that matters but then a year <laughs> later after I had Literally, I was crying my eyes out. And I was saying, I want to serve Hashem. And I want to do something meaningful. And the company that reaches out to me from the other side of the world is called Meaningful Minute. Hmm. And I just said, you can't make this up. You can't make this (laughs) up. It has to be from Hashem. It's just, you can't make it up. Because I was going through the hardest time. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I was like so heartbroken. And I was like really very going through a very difficult time and I was just saying Hashem I want to serve you and I want to do something meaningful and I just didn't know how I just I live in Holland there's no like Jewish companies to, really to work for it's not like something that you can do you know so it's just like I get almost I cry almost when I think about it because it was so clearly only that I committed to it and that it was really from Hashem um and and I beautiful. think that's so beautiful that that like you could that I could so divinely feel that you has, that Hashem is with you and you're being helped is such a beautiful feeling and I just hope that everybody who's experiencing difficulty doesn't just doesn't just have that hardship but also feels that Hashem is with them through that hardship that that would be my 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 aim for them.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, been, yeah. I I was cheering for you when I saw because we we were in touch. I don't know if you remember, but we were in touch. I, I I loved what you were doing. You're you're totally unique, and you were you were definitely um, showing your your Jewish uh, your Jewish pride on LinkedIn. And yeah. I, I I reached out to you to do a podcast at that point, and that was before this all happened. But I was very much cheering for you when I saw that you you were starting to work from your meaningful minute. And uh, yeah. seen I've seen a lot of what you've done. Thank so
1: you. So that's wow, that's
0: a great story. Okay, so now now where yeah. does that bring you today? That's about it's been about. Five months, this is their fifth month with Meaningful Minute. And yeah. so what are, what are you creating for them exactly?
1: So right now what I'm doing is I'm helping create the, you know, content for Instagram or for TikTok. And, you know, Meaningful Minute has a few different things underneath its umbrella organization, which is the Meaningful People podcast. Right. Um, so if you're not listening to <laughs> this podcast, you should be listening to the Meaningful People podcast um, plug. Um, but that's really beautiful because really my whole day is just taking Jewish content and creating it in such a way that it's accessible and interesting. So everything that you edit can be edited in a way that it makes it more attractive. So if just to get a little bit more into the value, what I want to give people, if you're making a video or if you're editing a video, you always want to start with the hook. The, the first second, the first three seconds are so important in the video. You want to make sure that you catch a viewer's attention. Um, and yeah, I mean, that obviously sounds so like, the, <laughs> I mean, but that it's sounds not, yeah. very much.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, important. It's important to add... say and keep in mind. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. Yeah.
1: Important. You add the captions, you add the graphics and all those things I do. And some of the videos that, you know, that I was able to create for my work, you know, they have a hundred thousand views on tiktok da, 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 da. and really what is not it's not just the numbers right because because the since i also started working there um you know i've been res- part of the team that is responsible for like we have over a million impressions a month on on instagram alone so we're really creating millions of impressions on the internet and and as part of the team i'm very proud that i get to do that to hopefully bring Kiddush Hashem to the world and to help inspire other people and um really what's like so beautiful we I made like a little clip of uh that was like
0: <sighs>
1: was about Israel where he said like we need you you can come home to oh, Israel that was
0: Shlomo Cats, Rabbi Shlomo Cats, correct
1: okay. yeah okay. it was really recently with, with Yom HaTzma'ud mm-hmm. and he then sent a message to Nachi like yeah, you know, since you shared that clip, people have been reaching out to me saying they want to discuss their Aliyah because that wow. like made made them like want to go on Aliyah. and it's like, whoa, like that. Wow, to be a part
0: of that, yeah. That's a meaningful yeah. thing for 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 our um, for our listeners who may not be familiar. It's always a meaningful thing if somebody if if well, the, the word meaningful is the key word over here. If a Jewish person is, is has the desire to actually live in the land of the Jewish people in the land of Israel. That's a, yeah. it's a very significant thing in, in terms of their, um, their, their observance. I mean, it's, it's a mitzvah itself to live there. Now it's not always feasible. And sometimes it's a question of not just feasible, but some people just don't want to because they're just comfortable where they are. And I can relate. Uh, but, but if, if a person is, yeah. is, uh, wants to, and is able to, then, um, it's a very meaningful thing. So Naomi is saying that she had yeah. a part in, in in editing that clip and had a part in inspiring some people. A lot of I people? just
1: feel like I, I, for me, the key is always is that to remember that I see that you have people in your life who are messengers and you can also be a messenger for someone else. And so whatever the, that message is that you, somebody gives to you, or the message that you're supposed to give to someone else is why I believe it's so important in life to be an open person, because when you're closed, it's so much more difficult for Hashem to send you messages. And when you're more open, you allow the people around you to be the messenger of Hashem to give you the message that you need to hear at that time.
0: Wow. So beautiful. Okay, now I, there's like no way we can top that. I, I like, I feel, I feel, I would feel bad if we go into the mundane questions, but let me ask you like this. You, you're, you're finding a lot of, of, of significance and meaning in what you're doing now for the meaningful minute and, and inspiring people and getting those messages out in a way that they're interesting and, 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 and full of value and use. And, um, and I, I, you, you mentioned to me that you hope to be able to go to to a place where there's more prospects for you for for marriage like you hope to be able to go to israel and live there yourself
1: yeah yeah because that's really like right now where my where my personal journey is on is Mm -hmm. that you know um i do feel like i would like to you know settle down with the right person and uh you know build a build a jewish home you know obviously i already have a daughter so i'm very grateful for that but it's, um, you know, it is a struggle. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat it. It is a struggle. And right now it doesn't seem to be in the, you know, in the near future, but I pray a lot and I, I have a lot of, you know, amuna that at the right time with the right person that it will all be possible. And just while you're waiting, it can be difficult. Um, yeah, but. Like, if, if you're waiting for something in your life and it's difficult, like, I can relate to that. And I would say is that try to find the hashgacha Pratis, which means, like, divine intervention in life, and try to find the 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 good in every situation. And, and, and believe that Hashem put you in a specific place at a specific time for a reason, and you don't know what that reason is. Mm-hmm. You just try to live your life, bring it to the most, to the fullest level. Meaning that you possibly can, so that you could say afterwards, like, "Wow, what did I do that for?" Like, if let's say you have a job and you don't find it fulfilling, you don't give, doesn't give you very much meaning, or you don't find joy in it, then afterwards you might ask yourself, like, "What did I really do all my life?" And and maybe while you're struggling with that, and I think that in every job you potentially could find a meaning in in that job like if you had said social media do something meaningful you'd probably be like no what's so you know what's meaningful about making some instagrams right like like how could it be meaningful but then mm-hmm. if you're making a video and i just want to say like the holocaust survivor that i was able to interview mm-hmm. and share his you know survival story that go got over a million views that only came from my own pain And I just want to elaborate on that, because I think it's so beautiful, because when I was going through a difficult time, I had met someone and that person said, well, my grandfather, you know, survived Auschwitz and he put on tefillin with a Jewish um, kind of a prayer. I'm going to have to describe it for people that are not religious um, or non-Jewish.
0: Tefillin. Okay, tefillin. You can look it up. uh, Google it. Right? You'll find it's plenty, like a black
1: strap and a box like anyone knows you...
0: what phylacteries are right
1: yeah. <laughs> okay it's you know it's definitely worth a little google um so just to backtrack so the when i created a video for meaningful minute of a holocaust survivor it had a million views right and the holocaust survivor I only really got to me because of my own pain you know Beautifully, we were able to share his story in such a way that it resonated with so many people. But what was so nice about it is that kind of a very positive thing came from my own personal darkness because I had only met him because I was going through such a difficult time, you know, having a breakup and I was very devastated about it. And, and the person said to me, you should meet my grandfather because he is a Holocaust survivor and he had been, you know, he was in Auschwitz when he was 14 years old and he had put on the tefillin, what a Jewish thing and then he gives you a special power to give brachas and so a lot of people you know would go to him and ask for a bracha so I went to him and he gave me a beautiful bracha and I was like just so emotional about it and I just decided like every time I went back I just every time I kind of kept in touch and went back and then specifically the day that I interviewed him like that weekend it was I was in London for for work and I interviewed him and then that day It's like, I could cry when I think about it that day, specifically something had happened that caused a lot of pain. And I was just, mom is so heartbroken. I, I was just like the same day or the same reason why I was there was so clear that I had to be there to make this video was also the same experience that led to a lot of pain. But afterwards I could see so clearly that Hashem was still with me and, and I was like, I was like, it was really from Hashem that that was like kind of a comfort. I know you went through pain, but I'm going to do this so that you know, it wasn't for nothing. Their pain was for a reason and you're going to have, you know, a reason you're going to look at it much more positively. And through so many experiences, I was, I really feel like, really, like, I don't want to sound like super spiritual, but like through everything I've had situations where I was like going through such a difficult time and I just was. I, I decided, oh, I need to read this book, and I read the book, and I opened the book. It was a book about my great-grandfather, and I, I read the first sentence, and it says, you know, Abraham Rose, Rose that's his name, my great-grandfather, mm-hmm. was a book written about him, mm-hmm. was born on the 1st of October, and I would think, wait, 1st of October, and happened to be that day. <laughs> mm. it's like, I didn't touch that book for years, and the day that I opened it, that I felt this strong urge to open it, it was that day, and it just felt like, what my great, my, my my ancestors are with me, Hashem is sending me signs, that's like everything, whatever you're going through, Hashem is still with you, and I had another another story like that is before I'd made a commitment um, to become very religious, I was just kind of like, you know, I was dating, and I wasn't sure, should I cover my hair, that was one of the things that I was kind of struggling with, and there was also a little, a small little booklet, like this big, you know, if anybody's listening, it's like, you know, like, if, 50 pages, very, very small, that was written about my great grandfather from my other, from the other side of my family. So from my okay. father's side. Yeah. And he was also a very special person. And, um, after he passed away, the family had kind of, you know, some of his di- diary entrance. Uh-huh. He, they Ed just kind there. of compiled, yeah, they compiled it. And also he left a moral will, which I think uh-huh. is very beautiful. Um, so it's not a financial will, it's, like, just a will, what he wants to pass on to his children and grandchildren, so I'm his great-grandchild, mm-hmm. and for months, 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 I was saying to my father, like, where is this booklet, I need to read it, I need to read this booklet, like, I couldn't find it anywhere for months, anyway, it was, like, just before Rosh Hashanah, and I was just going through that period, where it's, like, really, like, actively had to make the decision, like, how do I want to, like, y- you know, how do I want to live my like, religious lifestyle if I get married? Like, do I want to cover my hair? Yes or no? And it was really kind of debating. I I really didn't know like what, what was important for me. I was trying to do some research. And so I open. I finally found the booklet, but I didn't have time to read it. And I take it with, and I'm on Rosh Hashanah. I open it up, and I see in the Moral will. it says very, very specifically, it says, for my female children and grandchildren, I ask only one thing that they should cover their hair. And wow. as I was struggling with this question mm-hmm. in my That's... life I was like it was almost as if it was written specifically for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> specifically for me because all these children again grandchildren, they still they, they were so religious and observant and the one question that I was struggling with so much and I couldn't find the answer and I didn't know the answer was specifically like there in the booklet like it was just like finally I got the answer that I needed um and also when I went to Repshire, I was like I'm going to commit to all these things and just like it was so amazing, many, like, so many signs impact. are
0: coming yeah so many things are coming yeah. together to, to to point you in the direction that you that you wish to go
1: yeah and That's I just want to say
0: yeah.
1: yeah and there's another story just like that where um I was explaining the day that like the weekend that I interviewed the Holocaust survivor something that had happened that was very painful for me is that I had you know, this guy that I dated and whatever I was, you know, that ended and I didn't see him anymore. I like was in London where he lived and I was walking past the restaurant and suddenly I saw him and I was just like, it was so painful for me to, to realize like, oh my gosh, I like, I can't believe it. And I just kind of got like a panic attack, whatever. Anyway, I threw like divine promise, whatever. I was just, just there. I was sitting there and somebody like, I don't know, my, my relative was calling me and she was like, I'm going to pray for you. Everything's going to be okay. And Somebody that I didn't even really know, but like I also met in Keras was as like a very like special person, like called me up out of the blue. And I was like, this is so strange. Like, like what's going on? And he's like, yeah, I have a question about social media. And then I said, oh, because I'm just having such a difficult time. And he said to me specifically, he said like to me like this, don't worry, you're going to laugh about this. You're going to laugh about it. Anyway, I go out the restaurant where I was just like sitting and trying to wrap my head around everything. And I go out and the entire family of this guy is standing outside, like right there. And I was just like, if I had left a minute before, if I messed a minute later, I wouldn't have seen them. But seeing them and not the guy in himself, just his family, I just was like, see, it was like, I was laughing because what are the odds? What are statistically the odds that exactly the same moment they're going to bump into them on the street? Like statistically, it doesn't make any sense, but you just know it was like Hashem trying to comfort you saying like, don't worry. I I know you're going through a difficult time, but I'm going to. I'm going to help you by giving you the tools, like giving you the right people at the right time to make it easier for you. And so really that kind of bracha, I was like, you're going to laugh about it. Really, really came true at that moment. It was humorous. I was laughing because I was like, so it doesn't make any sense. Like you can't, uh-huh. all these things in my life, like, are you going to get hired wait, by this he, company wait, wait, in New York? Wait, it doesn't make wait, any sense.
0: Wait, wait, just to get clear. I mean, I just, he passed by and you saw him through the window and, and then you started freaking out. And then, you, Your Robinson calls, and then she says you're going to laugh about it, and then you go outside. and Yeah, someone no, else. Somebody else, somebody, somebody else called. You're going to laugh about it. You walk out. He's gone, but his family's there?
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay, that.
0: got it, got it. That's pretty funny.
1: <laughs> it's just... If you, you're right. It's not so funny if you look at it just like it's no, one it is thing, funny. It's, it's funny. I, over I can and it. over again, every single time you see Hashem is clearly helping you when you are needing it most and you are crying and you're crying out and saying mm-hmm. to Hashem, Hashem, it's too much. Help me. And you're just saying, Hashem, I want to serve you. Hashem, I'm looking for you. I need your help. I need, I need you to help me. And then through that, like right after you get, you get like a little kiss from Hashem, a little, mm-hmm. a little bit, making it a little bit easier and what could have been a very difficult situation then became so much easier because I was able to like give it a place and I was laughing with them. And I was saying, it's so nice to see you. And they were comforting me and it was like, all good. And like, I just knew like, I wasn't all these things in my life. Like it was just like another thing like that was like, I was able to raise, you know, some money for, for our kala, but the specific, what happened really was like, it was a very specific date. Like I'd never raised any money Yeah. Like, I really don't want to think like, oh, this girl's always raising money. Like I really never, ever, ever raised money. Like I really had never done it. Um, but somebody was just kind of mentioning it to me. It's like, oh, I want to help out. So I just kind of said it like this. And then I said, I want to, I'm going to daven in for you in return if you give a donation. So I ended up like, messaging all these people on LinkedIn and on my WhatsApp and it's like trying to make like a whole campaign. Be my seventh person, be my eighth person, be my ninth person to donate. And um, you know, we got to raise like, I don't know, four and a half thousand pounds. Like I got to raise four and a half thousand pounds together with everybody who donated. But really what was so special about it Amazing. is that the specific per like I was posting on my WhatsApp status and then I looked who saw it and then I saw somebody saw it and I messaged that person. It was like an f- acquaintance from like 15 years before mm-hmm. from my childhood. And I said to him, oh, I saw you saw my WhatsApp status. Do you want to maybe donate? And he's like, no, I don't give money to Tzedakah, mm-hmm. to charity. And I was like, wait, hold up. You don't give money to charity? He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't give money to charity because I give pay taxes in Israel and that's enough for me. So I said to him, wait, hold on. Like now that I, how did you, he's like, I never even knew what WhatsApp status is. I literally just discovered it today and I saw your WhatsApp status. And I was like, see, it was meant to be. You're supposed to see it. And he's (laughs) like, yeah, but I don't want to do it. And I said to him, look, but it's causing you more effort to just argue with me. Why don't you just like, give me, give me like, give me like $2. I said something like, give me $2. Like just to get me off my back.
0: Just get the, the get it flowing, yeah.
1: (laughs) Anyway, he's like, fine. I'll only do it just as I basically like, get Good, me yeah, to stop like hassling yeah. me anyway later on i don't know how much he donated but i know there was a donation for like two dollars so potentially it was him but okay. i was saying when i was was there at, at the at the Khasana, then it was like really beautiful that mm-hmm. um but it was beautiful to say because really it was you know like people that donated they were they donating the there's of uh, like a, a seven-year-old boy who was sick or somebody a woman who was in jail i was like I had like a whole list of names. It was like printed out a few pages. And I just like, I couldn't believe it because the only that specific day was going to be like a very important day in my own life that didn't happen. And I don't want to say anything more about it, but like that was going to be a very important day. And it, that was literally the day, those three days that I raised all the money was around that one day. That was something very important in my life. going happen. That didn't happen. It was like a very emotional thing for me. And then I just realized like, even for all the pain, Hashem, is giving you opportunities to not focus on your pain and do something good for someone else. You know? Wow. And I just think that's I like something so good. It all.
0: It's, it's, yeah, it's such a meaningful thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank so you. So I want much. to say that, yeah, go ahead, like, go ahead. if
1: you're if you're going for something, if you're dealing with something that's hard, you know, if you look for the opportunities to switch it around and to do something good for you, like. If you take those opportunities to connect with Hashem and to do good for someone else, it will help you so much in the process.
0: Beautiful message. I, I agree 100%. And you are living that and you're, you're doing, you're doing such yeah. beautiful things. And it's, it's our, our bracha, our blessing to you that, uh, your, your personal challenge that you have right now being, being stuck in Holland, uh, Hashem should quickly show you either that you don't, you're not stuck or that he should just bring, yeah. uh, he should bring the right person right to your door, and I'm sure there's yeah. a lot. A, I, I'm sure there's listeners here. Social media is a huge part of of young people's lives, and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that are yeah. hey, even old, older people's lives <laughs> that are a, a lot of listeners that have questions about what it takes to 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 be a content creator, and, and 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 we don't have time to go into that now. But if they want to reach out to you, they should find you on LinkedIn or Instagram or. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Feel free. I actually decided also to use like, um. uh, to be honest, like I haven't posted very much on LinkedIn. I used to be so active. I had like a million views in Mm. one year, actually had 2 million, but 1 million, it was a post that went viral, but it doesn't really count because I always, okay. I just want to say. I don't care if I had a million views on LinkedIn because it didn't, didn't make any tangible difference in my life until I used the network for the benefit of someone else when I started wow. to use it for raising money or anything like that. So I just want to say like, even statistically, like, oh, you have a million views on a video. Like it doesn't make a difference unless it's like for someone else. Like you could have a million views on a video of you standing in front of the Eiffel Tower, so to speak. But what impact does it make? Nothing. So don't look at the metrics. And if you're, consuming a lot of social media i would say try to be mindful of what you're consuming and try to consume something that is to your benefit um whatever that might might be for you um and they can they can also follow me on whatsapp status
0: mm-hmm.
1: but maybe you first find me on linkedin because there's a link <laughs> for the WhatsApp status. so <laughs> naomi garfinkel is my name um yeah and then follow meaningful minute i would say at the you might see me on there sometimes so
0: Right. <laughs> Very good. Okay. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story with us. It was really touching in so many yeah. ways. And uh hat's lecha. You should you should be m- Matsalith and everything you're doing.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Okay. Have a great day you've just listened to another great episode of our tribe the podcast brought to you by the podcast fellowship and hosted by rabbi tovia kopstein tune in each week every wednesday at 1 p.m eastern time to hear more great episodes of our tribe the podcast if you have any suggestions or questions email us at our at podcastfellowship.org. and don't forget to like share and subscribe to help the tribe thrive